When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast, Stardate 96819-MARK75. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Ham Olympus Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Jonathan is off on a covert mission once again, traveling around with Section 31. Alrighty, so I guess we'll start the show off with some fact check from last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you put this fact check in, or did I put this fact check in? I did not put this in, so really? I'm guessing it was you or Jonathan, perhaps. Well, it has a timestamp, so I'm going to assume it's Jonathan. So at 2018 last week we were talking about Anna and Elsa. Anna from Frozen is played by Kristen Bell as I thought and while her sister Elsa is played by Edina Menzel. I'm going to go with that. Edina Menzel. I have no idea who that is. Um, at 2015, Title IX is a U.S. Oh, you talked about this. Title IX is a U.S. federal law passed in 1972. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, at 4, 46.10 I mentioned Mines. They're actually, I just went back and watched the episode just, just now. It's it Blackout Mines is what uh, Admiral Cornwall says they are the ones that that uh, dis- they they mess up the sensors and stuff like that because at the point I think in the show where uh, Detmer says the the sensors say that we're upside down and that was the uh, the blackout mines messing with the sensors right so they're not just explodey mines they're they're mines that are meant to disable and really mess up a ship not necessarily yeah, just and blow the shields up. and so on and so forth yeah. I noticed it wasn't doing very much damage to the to the shields, right? So yeah, so maybe anyway, uh, maybe it is meant to be more of a uh, less blow stuff up and more. Oh, did somebody try to sneak in? Let's disable them and then go interrogate them and maybe steal their technology, depending on who they are. Maybe, maybe instead of just you know eliminating them from the universe. Well, it was a penal colony, so if people were trying to break in to to you know to break people out, you know that would kind of mess them up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the time travel game I mentioned last week was the Journeyman Project uh, Two. Buried in time, I believe it. They mentioned Daedalus a lot in that in that uh, that game, which is why I was thinking about that. Um, at one thirteen, the show last week, I mentioned Carol from The Walking Dead. She's played by Melissa McBride. Yeah, definitely Jonathan must have put this in. Um, Socratic. I was referring to last week the Socratic method or or the school of Socrates um, philosophy. Now I was talking. What I was I was trying to remember why I was talking about it. I was referring to Culber being the Culber we're seeing now in the show is not the same Culber who died because you know obviously they 
buried his body and shipped it off to wherever they ship stuff off to. Um, burial, let's see, I guess, like they did with Arium today. Um, spoilers for today's show. Uh, the Socratic philosophy is where there's an ideal object and all um, instances of that ideal are copies of the ideal object. Like if you have an, there's, if there's an ideal concept of what a chair is and you have a chair sitting in your dining room, that's not the same as the actual ideal chair. That was kind of what I got from my... Uh, and I, like I said here in my notes, I, I might have butchered that, but that was my takeaway from my body, mind, and soul co- course in first-year philosophy back in university days. And I mentioned um, that in 3001, uh, The Final Odyssey by Arthur C. Clarke, um, they find Dr. Frank Poole is the person's name I couldn't remember, but Dr. Poole, Frank Poole was the name of the astronaut, who, along with Dr. Dave Borman, who were the two that were on their way off to uh, Jupiter to examine the, op- the uh, monolith uh, floating in space in the movie. 2001 um and uh, so yeah the, the future people thaw frank pool out and bring him back to life and and he still remembers everything <laughs> uh, and has to learn about life in a thousand years in the future but anyway so uh, we should probably say like we don't we haven't been saying spoilers much this this uh this season but we should probably say yes there will be a major spoiler when we discuss uh star trek discovery the red angel episode tonight uh what is it season two episode nine is it i mean do you know i I think it is 10 is what I wrote down. I think Project oh, so Data List was number 10, 9. Yeah. So if you have not watched the show... Um you might want to, uh, well, you can listen to probably the first, you know, 30 minutes of the podcast, and then you might want to think about watching the show before you listen to the rest of this, because there will be a major, major spoiler at the end, um, as there was in the show. So, oh, did I just spoil the show for people? Oh, no. <laughs> you can never tell. You can never tell. All right, so we have some headlines. I think this first one is from you, Jaime. Yeah, I mentioned up. Farscape, uh, I think, in my uh, not very spirited defense of the Orville as uh, as another show that other people like uh, that I never really got into. And right around that time, there was a little news article here about the Farscape Essential Episodes Guide. And you can stream the classic sci-fi series um, on Amazon in where? In the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Nordic Nations, and several other countries. It's also available on iTunes and DVD. I guess related to that coming out onto uh, the Amazon Prime streaming service, uh, somebody came out with like, all right, here's like the essential episodes if you wanted to get sort of the, I don't know, the best beats of the, of the show. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I never could tell the difference between Farscape and Babylon 5, to be honest with you. Like, they, they just kind of, they, they were so unlike Star Trek that they were just, you know, different, sort of. So if you kind of just saw them in passing, you may not want to watch an episode of them. Did you watch Babylon 5 at all? I never really watched Babylon 5 either. So I think, if I'm hearing you right, they sort of uh, blurred together in your mind. Is that what happened? Yeah, and then there was another show called Andromeda, which is another, you know, Gene Roddenberry thing. It was just, you know, another odd duck. It just didn't didn't kind of sit right. I suppose, you know, once we've been set up for sci-fi by star trek and by uh, star wars you know and things like silent running and 2001 they were they're, they're more towards fantasy than than uh what you would think of as you know, science fiction you know <laughs> yeah so very sort of exotic you know you can throw the rules out and do anything you want with those right and i guess there's a there's a classification for that i guess people like that kind of stuff yeah. what else have you got for follow-up uh next one is a follow-up to what i'd mentioned i think last time about uh, bandersnatch the um black mirror and 
and Netflix interactive film. And they said, oh, there's going to be more like that. Well, mm-hmm. Netflix actually announced what that's going to be. The very next one is in the choose your adventure style TV series stuff is You versus Wild, which is based on Bear Grylls uh, Discovery Channel series Man versus Wild, where he like, goes oh, out okay, there right. and, you know, has to build shelters and find food and keep himself hydrated by drinking his own urine, that sort of thing. So apparently the, the construct will be that you are helping choose which paths and which sort of options he's taking in order to survive. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think this is going to be like a Flappy Birds kind of a take on Bandersnatch? You know, like where you just start cloning off different shows based on a sort of winning formula. I think Bandersnatch was unique, right? Yeah, Bandersnatch is unique because like, I guess semi-spoilers for that, that replaying Bandersnatch and re, you know, re-watching it, it's actually very a direct part of the film itself. And I'm not sure if this one will necessarily lend itself towards, you know, going through multiple times as part of the story itself versus being a, oh, I went left, maybe this time I'll go right just to see what happens. Mm, right, right. Yeah, but I, I mean, from the point of view of, of Bandersnatch had a whole lot of sort of twists and turns. I wonder if they'll, they'll do the same kind of twists and turns in this. I mean, like, you know, different alternate endings and fake endings and things like that, right? Where you know, a lot of references to actual Netflix itself, you know? Right, right. So, I'm, I'm not clear how this one uh, will work. Yeah, I will see. I mean, because there were a lot of those, you know, create your own adventure books and games and stuff like that back in back in the day, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just about every kind of genre you could imagine was represented. You know, pirates and space and military and stuff. So uh, we'll find out on this one. It launches April 10th. So we'll find out rather soon as to what's going on here. Right. So apparently two major characters are exiting the show as of the end of season two. So spoilers for those of you listening, watching the show who like it. Apparently, Ensign Mount is going to be leaving the show as Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca Romaine, also who plays number one, are set to be leaving at the end of the season. But I mean, Rebecca Romaine was in for like one episode, maybe? Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, unless she becomes really critical in the latter half of this season, I hesitate to stretch it out and be like, oh, she's a major new character. It's like, mm, she's kind of a cameo. Nicely, you know, tip of the hat towards the original series. But Ensign Mount is really, yeah, as Captain Pike, is the one who's the the major character that say, yep, for that headline. One major new character and one cameo to XFD end of season two. Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, a cameo doesn't really matter, but uh, I guess I guess he's going to go back to, uh, well, he has to go back to Enterprise at some point anyway, right? As part of the story. Yeah, I think some folks sort of glommed onto this the wrong way and said, oh my gosh, you know, it's, Discovery's canceled, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, no, think about <laughs> it. He, he wasn't supposed to be their captain, right? They, they right. found a reason to get him in there and people have come to know and love uh, Anson Mount as Captain Pike. I totally get yeah. it, but yeah. um, he obviously had to move on at some point to be, you know, become the captain of the Enterprise again, and uh, I think I prefer to think of the, the captaincy of the Discovery as being more akin to, like, Harry Potter's um, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, where, like, every year... Yeah, or, or the, drummer in, uh, the drummer in uh, Spinal Tap, right? They just keep swapping them out. <laughs> yeah, well, they kept, they kept... The drummers kept dying in, in, the, in the Spinal Tap band, right? So they, they must have had five or six drummers by the time they made the mo- the mockumentary so yeah yeah just sort of like it's it's not i think posi- being captain of uh of um the discovery seems to be detrimental to your health right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so you could end up in a in a wheelchair for the rest of your life or something like that right at some point <laughs> um spoilers for those who haven't watched the pilot episode of star trek um the next story from from jonathan of course and we talked about 
talked about this a few times, is James Gunn apparently is coming back as the director of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, was he was he uh, dismissed for questionable behavior? Is that why he was let, let go? Ish. So he was Ish. dismissed because he had years ago made some rather crass and unfortunate um, dark humor tweets on Twitter. And as is the fashion, people who didn't like him for reasons, uh, political reasons in this case, dredged up his history and found these tweets in manufactured outrage. Oh my God, I can't believe this person is the director, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Disney being a family-friendly brand doesn't really help the situation. So they overreacted by firing him. He subsequently got um, hired to do the sequel to Suicide Squad. And then now his quietly been rehired after all the all the dust is settled to return to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So I, I, I would guess this was a monetary decision by Disney. They they probably thought, oh my gosh, we have to get rid of this director because we don't want to sink this movie. Realize, oh wait, people are more angry that we're, <laughs> that we're firing him. Whoops, this is a bad idea. We don't want to lose money on this movie. Let's quietly rehire him. Yeah, quietly rehire him. Yeah, yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. All right. And uh, last, the uh, last one here by Jonathan uh, is that uh, American God has been renewed for a third season. Um, I think I read the book. I'm trying to remember if this is a Neil Gaiman uh, story that's on Netflix and now it's on for the third season. I'm not, so I'm not sure where they are in the, in the story, whether they're still on book or whatever, as we like to say. Um, but I, I watched one episode. It looks it looks rather interesting. It's a bit... Have, have you watched Legion at all, Jaime? I have not. Legion's a bit of head-scratcher, right? Especially season two. Jonathan and I talked about, I think, the, the week you were off, we talked about the show and First season was was amazing, and second season was like, what is going on here? You know, it was just it was really convoluted and and hard to follow. So, um, and I can't remember if we said it was coming back or not. I'm, I think it was only meant to be three seasons or something like that. But yeah, so American Gods is an interesting interesting uh, story. There's another um, Neil Gaiman um, uh, story that's coming to life on this is on amazon prime by the way too i think right uh, it is for us here in canada so i think it is for you as well right maybe i haven't I haven't watched any of american gods so i'd have it to check do you have um do you have amazon prime yes i'm an amazon prime member so i get their video okay. series stuff for free well sure. paid as part of my subscription but I... yeah 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 true. yeah so that's uh that's pretty uh, pretty cool so i'm trying, trying to look at my uh my link here which is the next one here oh yes <laughs> this is a link i found on twitter i thought was funny i, I thought you'd appreciate the humor of this one, but uh, you can get Japanese toys of Godzilla and I've forgotten the name of the other two monsters, but they're giving press conferences and they've got their heads bowed and they're apologizing for destroying all of the cities that they have over the years, right? So so there you go. You can get your, your little um, plastic uh, Godzilla monster apologizing for destroying cities, right? Yeah, so they have Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla, and King Ghidorah are the and three. And if you scroll down a bit, there's another one too. Ghidorah. Ghidorah with a G. I think it's pronounced Ghidorah. Well, there's Hedorah as well, down, down, further down. So. Oh, the magic of Twitter means that I'm just seeing oh. people responding and who knows what other things it's showing you besides showing me. I'll take oh, your word okay. for it. All right. Okay. I just I just clicked on the tweet that I linked in here. All right. Um. Yeah. So that's mine. Next one is your story, honey. Yeah. The official trailer. We've had some teasers, but this is the official trailer for Toy Story 4, mm-hmm. the latest Pixar film that is launching on June 21st. 2019. 
and it stars uh you know it still has woody as a largely main character but looks like little bo peep i oh, sorry uh little bo peep yeah bo peep yeah bo peep is gonna be um the other starring character so she is returning to the fold yeah that's annie potts isn't it yes that's right yeah she i think she sort of saves the day or whatever it, it looks like it. it looks like a much more um active version of bo peep mm-hmm. that's true that's true yeah i think bo peep and, and the gang have been separated and she's just come back into the fold if i'm not mistaken yeah and again it kind of goes into what are the um really the ramifications of, of being a toy and what does it mean to to fulfill that role mm-hmm. that you have in life and perhaps more stunningly they have also sort of broached the topic of what does life even mean for these things because there's kind of some horrifying implications here so it trailer starts out with woody saying like oh um whatever their little girl owner is that's a fact check item <laughs> whoever owns them now the little girl she oh, has yeah, her. she's made yeah. friends at school they mentioned like, her a couple of times in the trailer too sadly yeah and it's like oh like no she didn't like make human friends she literally made a new friend toy yes that's yeah, like yeah. A, a little arts and craft project uh spoon fork spork with like fork, yeah. you know um stuff glued on and that and he, he has come to life and the implications of this are, are sort of weird to me yeah yeah oh uh, maybe it's bonnie yeah there you go bonnie adds a reluctant new toy called forky to her room and he's made out of a spork and pipe cleaners and yes bonnie glue. played by emily hahn according to to- toy story 3 anyway so i don't know if she's returning to toy story 4 to voice the, the young girl All right the next post here from jonathan is again uh the terminator who finally has a name and there's a picture here on the io9 website of uh, natalie reyes reyes i guess um mackenzie davis joining linda hamilton in the terminator dark fate movie so linda hamilton looking very um much like a survivor of the walking dead in fact, yeah definitely got that vibe military well she got she had that whole military thing in terminator 2 right like she had survived this she's a survivor right yeah and i'm, I'm reading some of the plot line here so you're saying that this film will reportedly ignore uh yeah the other terminator genesis and salvation so i'm not sure how this fits in if at all to to where things are going it's a very confusing timeline we try to make it all reconcile so they're not taking away the the this one with claire danes and the young guy who plays john connor that was the third one right yeah un- unclear at this moment because i don't think that terminator 3 could possibly have happened in this particular timeline or at least to be more difficult to deal with because she's dead in that movie right in the hamilton yeah and instead of having her body oh, well i mean presumably john connor would know if she was dead well, maybe they froze sad. her and thawed her out and brought her back a thousand years later i mean that's the, entirely possible given the film series uh her, remember <laughs> they go they go and desecrate her coffin and it turns out that was her plan to like i don't know have herself cremated and fill her coffin well, with guns well, clearly christopher Palmer wasn't available to play her right <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is gonna be our new trope you get it you know you can thaw them out and bring them back three thousand years later that'll be our new trope for this this season season two of spotcast which you're enjoying now on the podcast radio network um, I right. feel like at some point, just a tiny segue, I feel like somebody somewhere should get all of the twins of major actors. So yeah, like Hampton yeah. has a twin. We talked about Iceman having a twin. Just get everybody's identical twin and make a film with them. There you go. There's yeah. an idea yeah. there. I wonder what's been done. Because huh. yeah, there's another there's another Canadian actress who has a twin sister. I trying to remember her name. You see, she used to be in a lot of shows. Like, and Law and Order, I think, is one of them. Um, yeah, she was one of the lawyers in Law and Order at one point. She's been in 
a number. She hasn't been. I haven't seen her in too many. I think Jill Hennessy. You know who that is? Not off the top of my head. Okay, well, we'll have to look her up. But um, yeah, she's got a twin sister who sometimes acts and thinks. And same sort of idea, right? Like, um, yes, Jill Hennessy. I'm sure if I tell you, yeah, Jill Hennessy. She's right here, number one. She was in a show called Crossing. She was in Law and Order. She was in War- Wild Hogs. I don't know. You probably haven't seen those. Well, she's still acting. She's in Bull and the other things. Blacklist. Hmm. Yes, they bring her out whenever they need her. But yeah, her twin sister is also an actor too. But like her act- twin sister is actually a scientist and an actor. So she works here in Toronto. Cool. Yeah, but that'd be that'd be a cool, interesting thing to have the, the twins but to figure out who el- who else has ac- identical twin siblings, right? Yeah, just just collect them all. It's like does Anna Packin have a have a twin? Good, hire her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, and there's the two girl the two girls that played the baby on Full House, right? Um, That's two- right, Mary Kate and Ashley. So like hire one right. of them. Yeah, yeah. Isn't one of them acting? Just one of them acting now, or or their sister or something like that? Younger sister? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think the younger sister has a career, but I think yeah, one's in one's into fashion, and I'm not sure what the other one's doing. Oh, does uh, does Lori Laughlin, Aunt Becky from Fuller House, <laughs> does she have a twin sister? Great. Guess she, what? She Aunt could be Becky's looking for back. work soon. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She could be looking for work. All right, let's move on. Speaking of speaking of resurrecting the dead, uh, since we're already talking about it, this is the third um, well third official Terminator James Cameron Terminator movie, and we're also talking about uh, well Toy Story three is actually the fourth. But we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy three. Well, here's another three for you. Bill and Ted apparently have announced that uh, they will they will come back. It says the world is about to get more a lot more excellent. Uh, That's right. This, yeah, the, the two famous dudes. I don't know the other guy's name, but um, uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, I don't know what his name is the guy from the guy from the other guy ted i guess no bill i guess from uh making an announcement at the hollywood bowl that they're going to be doing a new movie yeah so that would be alex winter and keanu reeves okay uh, on a twitter twitter video that are announcing uh bill and ted face the music the third in the series mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. reprising their roles of uh bill sorry william bill s preston esquire and ted theodore logan <laughs> In, uh, let's see, it looks like August, August what? August 21st, 2020. Wow. Does this mean I have to go back and watch that movie now? So, I mean, there's only two. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from 1989 and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey from 1991. Yeah, I don't think I've seen all of, I don't think I've actually sat down and watched from beginning to end Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I've watched parts, I think I know the story, right? It's very similar to, to, um, White, what's the White Castle one, uh, Harold and Kumar? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same sort of idea, they, they go on this adventure but this one they go through time to sort of you know help their science science test or whatever right or learn about science but uh yeah and uh, they use the, all the, the time travel uh, conveniences like being able to go and get the keys before they need them kind of thing right um yeah yes yeah, so they were they were helped out by and, and actually i wonder how they'll handle this because um george carlin is uh you know not available again here is somebody oh, else who has right, a twin yeah. you know as dark as that maybe is it'll be kevin smith maybe who knows <laughs> christopher plum <laughs> christopher plum <laughs> Exactly. Um, and I'm also curious because the, the whole premise of that series was that George Carlin was going back in time with a time machine to help them pass their test because if they didn't pass their test, they wouldn't stay as the uh, rock group Wild Stallions. And the Wild Stallions oh, music really? was going to like revolutionize the world and cause world peace and prosperity. Oh, really? Oh, so, cool. so now here they are as much older individuals and uh, presumably there's, you know, not everything is perfect. So they have to have to fix things. Well, I hope maybe the whole music tie-in is, is- the Wild Stallions and the Hollywood Bowl, right? That's where they made the announcement. Yeah, and if you look at like some of the pictures immediately below them, it is shocking to me that you know um, 
Alex Winter is, has been a director, so he's been uh, out of the limelight, but, you know, still involved in the industry behind the scenes. Uh, you know, he looks like somebody who has aged in the past, you know, 30-ish years. Keanu Reeves is a damn vampire because he looks like he has not <laughs> aged a day. Maybe like, like a week. maple syrup. He's yeah. <laughs> it's keeping him keeping them healthy yeah for sure faux show the article is from me this is related to um terry gilliams uh this article is called the man who was almost killed by don quixote terry gilliam on the movie that took him 33 decades to make 30 years i knew it was a long time to make this movie but you know it was uh besotted with all kinds of uh um disasters you know um, uh, insurance companies pulling out and causing the movie to close down because of accidents that they had they, i think they were attacked but they had weather issues. They had, you know, problems with their their uh, sets being stolen and lost and things like that. And, um, yeah, so there's a really good article here. And I've got linked in the show notes uh, for those of you who are Terry Gilliam's fans and you haven't heard about this yet. Um, but it's an article about uh, Terry Gilliam and his work process and about his career and things like that. Um, but just amazingly that, that, uh, that uh, it's taken this long for this movie to be made. Now, all the more reason for me to go see it on April 10th or 16th or whenever it's coming out. April 16th, I think it is. No, April 10th. It's doing a worldwide, or North, sorry, North American uh, uh, one night only kind of showing. But I did hear that it's going to go into into release later on. But uh, the last movie that Terry Gilliam did, they only played one night in, in Toronto, um, the uh, Zero Theorem. So it went right to, uh, to Blu-ray. So yeah, definitely looking forward to this movie. And of course, there was, I think, the making of movie. Uh, there's, I think I talked about the fact that there was sort of a, I don't know if you know um, Apocalypse now had a making of Apocalypse Now movie. Jonathan would know the name of it. Um, which was which sort of followed the sort of disastrous way that they made the movie. But there was a documentary called Lost in La Mancha, which I think is on um, Netflix. At least I saw it there a while ago, and it, it sort of follows the tr- them trying to make the movie back in back in the day um, and uh, how, how disastrous that was, right? So because all that came out of the first first time to try to make the movie was the documentary. Um, yeah, so cool uh, cool movie to see. Cool. Yep. Uh, all right. What's next? So Jonathan posted here the the stranger things season three trailer have you seen it i've seen the trailer yeah yeah, yeah. Like bring so. bring the gang back together for another adventure fighting the the upside down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes so rather interesting trailer short piece i mean you know it's sort of similar to the uh, game of thrones teaser that they put out a while ago right uh, this is this is the one where the, they're i've forgotten the name of the kid with the with the hat um dustin and the dustin yeah so dustin's walking through the living room and, and i guess the other kids are behind him trying to surprise him and yeah so there's a comical uh, ending there, but uh, they all end up screaming, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Jonathan's a big fan of Angel. I don't know if you did you watch Angel back in the day and Buffy? I sort of watched a little bit of Buffy. I definitely didn't watch Angel, so I, mm-hmm. I don't know which person is this character that they're talking about, like, or wait, yeah. who, who the actor is. Oh, David Borez. I don't know how Borenza. He's he's the guy who plays Angel, the, the brooding-looking guy. Oh, the main guy. Okay, yeah, I know who Angel yeah, he's is, from but Bones I don't know the as well. He was in Bones, you know, the TV show Bones? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. About the, um, the, I guess she's a coroner, right? He plays an FBI agent in that show. Yeah, so, right. yeah, he's he's Angel, who was spun off from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But yeah, apparently there's a, a new one coming back. I, got, I don't know how to say his name, though. David. David, the guy who played Angel, let's call him that. <laughs> Stop yelling at your TV. Stop yelling at your phone. Um, yeah, so I've only watched uh, uh, Buffy coming and going. I wasn't really uh, that in, entrenched with it. This is sort of, I was busy with other parts of my life at that point in time but there you go all right and uh yeah this, like i said this just this just in hey this is in 
Um, this may be more interesting to you, Jaime, I don't know, but uh, we just found that the Godzilla King of the Monsters is going to finally bring Rodan's ferocity back to Hollywood. Rodan, the, I guess, bird-shaped, bird-shaped uh, what do you call them? What do you call those big guys? It's like a pterodactyl. No, I mean, what do you call the, the giant the monsters? The kaiju? Kaiju, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the larger-than-life monsters. Bigger than the biggest building in your city, right? Oh, wait, is this uh, Rodan made his epimonious movie debut 63 years ago, co-starring Godzilla eight years later in, I'm going to say the word, the one about the three-headed monster you just said. I think Ghidorah? it's Ghidorah, but I could be wrong. I'd have to Ghidorah? watch a, a film clip somewhere to see. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Oh, it's by uh, director Michael Doherty, brought back in for Rodan. I don't know. I've not seen Cricker, Cricker or Krumpus. Have you seen Krumpus? Krampus? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, anyway, well, well just uh, that was just on the Space Channel. We'll have a link in the show notes for people. All right, so once again, last chance. This is a major spoiler for episode uh, season two, episode 10, The Red Angel of the season of Star Trek Discovery. Um, do we want to do we want to do like a, this is Jonathan's turn to do the uh, recap, I think. Right. So you and I'll have to, you and I'll have to arm wrestle for it. <laughs> I, I threw my, uh, my uh, Your joke notes in here. Yeah. My, my joke notes. Cause they help me remember what's going yeah. on. I also try to type them out as quick as I can in between yeah. the commercials on my five ninety nine plan. Sure. Uh, I'm like, well, if I'm going to be here with commercials, I might as well make use of it to say, okay, what just happened in these scenes? So yeah, I try my yeah. best to capture what happened and, uh, you can help fill in the gaps and yeah, why don't you, why don't you do that? Because I've, I've got lots of notes, and 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 I kind of had to rush through it because it was a little late getting started. But I, I missed the very first first bit you got here, so why don't you start in with that? Yeah, we end up starting out on uh, this episode with um, Ariam, who is deceased, and her uh, her data from her electronic parts is wiped. Uh, as I say here, like an iPhone that you're going to resell, and sure. uh, then they have a funeral for her. Is that why they took her her skull cap off there? At one point, they take her skull cap off, and you can see her brain in there. Yeah, I think it was to get access to the data that they wanted to wipe. I, I think they wanted to make sure that there wasn't any chance of uh, the AI so virus. The sim out, take the sim out as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and. And this kind of leads into the the like conference meeting recap of the control AI and and what they were encountering with it trying to use Arium to um, become self aware. So just a sidebar for a second, you know, in in movies when when the person thinks that they're being they've got a cell phone in their hand and they think they're being tracked, right? And so they pull the battery out of the, out of the back of the cell phone and they pull the SIM card out of the the SIM tray and they drop it down on the sidewalk and they stomp on it with their foot. Like, that drives me crazy every time I see that. Because what is the SIM card going to do? Like, once it's out of the phone and it's powered down, there's no way they can track you on a SIM card. Am I wrong? The only thing I can think of is that they think that it's bugged in some way, in which case I'd probably just be, you know, uh, dumping the phone body, even without pulling everything out, just tossing it into a trash can or the ocean or whatever yeah, happens or to be nearby. put it in a cup, bottle of water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shove it into, like, an open window in a taxi cab that's going by. You know, anything that would uh, keep it away from you I, I think it's a little dramatic to like like pull the batteries like what you, you're worried about your phone i mean if you're that worried go buy a new phone for heaven's sake Just chuck it into the woods you know exactly yeah yeah. Well, the other the other side of that trope is that you know when when somebody wants to be knows they're being followed and they they leave the phone like on a bumper of a bus or something like that while they go they go in a completely different direction, right? So and then when the FBI catches up, they find it's it's just you know sitting on the bumper of this bus. Anyway, back when buses had bumpers, I guess that also doesn't work these days because everything's streamlined and has rubber stuff all over it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right, so get back to your sorry back to your recap there. Sorry. Yeah. So in this uh, little conference meeting, they get interrupted by. Tilly, who says that she was going through the data that was left over um, uh, within Aaron's memories and found a file called Project Daedalus, which 
apparently is a bio neurophile from the Red Angel, and which is dun 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 supposedly Michael. Dun, dun, dun. They bring in oh here's autocorrect. They bring Doctor Colbert with a B, uh, who is uh, dressed really snazzy, like he's ready to go out to the nightclub. Uh, they bring him out to the medical bay and they have him confirm that yep, all his scans show that yeah, it's definitely Michael's neural signature. And uh, they're like, well, they have ramifications of this. And then oh, Section Thirty One shows up and says, hey guys, what's up? Uh, by the way, Project Daedalus was uh, our thing that we were creating this Red Angel technology for time, time travel purposes because 20 years ago they'd gotten wind of the Klingons trying to do something very similar and they were right. in this like you know weaponized state of like we gotta get the, the time travel weapon before they do um, and they had thought that this stuff was destroyed by the Klingons so they're really interested in like hey what if we like trap the angel uh, and get the engineering folks and Stamets and, and company to work with Giorgio to come up with this mouse trap as they call it that will allow them to trap the angel and then you know talk to the person inside and be like hey what the heck why are you, why are you doing all this red signal stuff what's going on with the future sure now you, there's a few things you sort of glossed over too or you skipped over um one was that they they had this i guess um ash was confined to quarters and they kind of release him take off the armband and apologize to him but uh, other other important point was they're talking about what happened like how did this ai work and all that kind of stuff and apparently the ai come came from the future to try and get uh to to infuse control this uh sentient sort of or not quite sentient um, system that that sort of governed uh, Starfleet or helped in the the brass make their decisions, um, and they wanted control to evolve and take over and become you know this sort of better system and help help this future AI thing exploit uh, what was going on. That's that's what um, the Red Angel is trying to f- to stop right uh, from happening. Right, right. So yeah, they, we think right. They do make the connection between like hey, when the Red Angel uses a wormhole to come into our time, um, they are you can using a mechanism that uh, tethers them to their own time so they can get back since the wormholes are, are unstable. But that also opens the opportunity for the AI to come from the future um, as it did with the, uh, what do they call it? The time hole? <laughs> time tornado? Yeah. I forget what the time hurricane? I forget what they called it. Time in the tsunami? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about what, what Tilly was calling a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember that. That's some follow-up right there. Some sort of back-checking. I can't remember what they well, called Well, everything's it. better with time in front of it, she would say, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so they're they're working out how are we going to do this stamets is like uh, it's possible but we'd need all this this tech that we don't have and Sergio was like hey guess what we've actually got a place a specific place that we can go to that has all this stuff ready to roll so just get your uh, technology stuff set up and, and let's do this thing and uh culver waltzes in uh, on his way to the nightclub and Sergio knows about them from her own uh, versions of them in her uh her in her universe the mirror universe and uh, ends up like coming on to stamets and the making the moves yeah yeah making the moves to the point where Culver's like what the heck cut that out <laughs> you, know? Yeah, you know he's gay right she he says yeah yeah she's like mm, he was a little more flexible and uh, you know more fluid with his sexuality and, and, and so were you and yeah, she describes him as pansexual so yeah both of them were yeah yeah so yeah. it's unclear what, what game she's playing here because she's very clearly going out of her way to antagonize these two gentlemen mm-hmm. um, so SO4 is the name of the planet that uh, for those of you wanting to fact check that one is the planet where they're going to go to and uh, and do this this mouse trap right 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 um let's see then we get some some quicker scenes that that try to get some of the dynamics going forward like um uh, non talking to mike 
Michael about that situation they had with Arium and uh, the learning that she had about who Michael is as a person and the appreciation for everything that went on is, you know, unfortunate as it turned out with the death of Arium, like, uh, you know, kind of definitely understood the, the pros and cons of that. Um, then we have a whole bunch of confrontation. We have Saru confronting Captain Leland about Section 31's behavior. So it's a new, you know, newly hooked up, ready to roll, beat people up. Saru is like, yo, what you're doing is not cool. Um, we also have Michael coming in and, and separately chatting with Leland. And this is where we learn that her parents worked for Section 31. And they were dun, charged dun, dun. with, yeah, dun, 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 building the Red Angel was their whole thing. And uh, the one thing that was missing was this time crystal, but they were able to steal one off the black market from the Klingons, who apparently tracked it back to the planet and attacked uh, the facility, which resulted in the death of Michael Burnham's parents. And this was, of course, very shocking to her because she's been holding on to this pain her whole life of like, oh, the only reason they died is because as a kid, I wanted to see this supernova event. And that's why they hung around. And we were just unfortunate that the Klingons showed up and, and killed everybody. Um, yeah. But it turns out, nope, uh, it was just Leland being, uh, you know, uh, looking to, to level up within the company and being real ambitious. And uh, his his sloppiness ended up in, in people dying, including Michael Burnham's parents. So she uh, she beats him up <laughs> and she gives him <laughs> some quick whacks across the face for uh, for her mother and father. Um, and she ends up, you know, still in anger mode, confronting Ash Tyler, like, dude, what the heck? Who, who the heck are you? What does it say about your, uh, your ethics if you're willing to accept what these people do yeah um she says did you know like to ash you know of course he, how could he know really but but it, the emperor knew right or emperor georgiou knew captain what are we calling her now admiral captain georgiou right yeah it's it's hard to say it without being confusing because it's we if you say the the emperor empress georgiou she's technically not that anymore but i know who you're talking about versus yeah we'll, we'll come we'll come back to georgiou talk about her i'll talk about her after the recap a bit because i have some questions about her so some opinions and thoughts about her as well right uh so, so back to the confrontations well right in between there because there's there's some therapy going on there's uh dr culver getting therapy from admiral cornwell since she apparently was a therapist um prior to becoming yep. an admiral and uh he sort of lays it out he's like look I, I don't know what to do here this is so odd to me i'm i'm me but not me i have these memories of this love for for this man for stamets um and obviously i don't want to hurt him but I just don't have these these same feelings anymore because it's it, like a completely new body like this experience yeah, she says crazy. well she says to him you, you are new like she he, at one point he refers to culver in the past tense and he questions her about that she says well you're not really this is what i was talking about earlier with the so socratic method you're not really the same person that died you know because there was a body that they buried you know with of that guy right or ge injected into space or whatever they do with bodies and and explaining that you know you're sort of we have no way to understand your sense of identity because this is a new whole new type of person you are right yeah yeah it's it's, it's you but you're not you are you, are you really you and uh it's completely understandable on, on what's going on there so he gets his therapy uh michael is getting her own therapy by you know uh, dressing up in her discovery under armor gear and uh mm -hmm. going and, and i was gonna say punching bag but it's more of like a punching dummy i think that she's beating up yeah uh, taken out of frustration and spock shows up and he's he's being very spock and it's just irritating the heck out of her because she's very emotional and uh they sort of hash it out of like hey you know like 
kind of makes sense that this red angel would be you because it's sort of acting with your sort of uh, your sort of personality. This is how how you would do things, how you would try to help things along. Yeah, um, he says, what did he say to her? Something about um, something about responsibility. He sort of insults her at one point. Earlier, I think earlier on in, the, in this episode, he says something like, "Yeah, it's 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 definitely you because she has your drive to take on responsibility of situations that are beyond your control." Right. To which she replies, "Thanks for saying that out loud to everybody in the room, Spock." You know, <laughs> really appreciate that. But yeah, the two of them come together at the at the end. There, he he kind of says he laments that he wasn't in the room to watch her punch um, Leland in the face. He says, "I would have found that satisfying." <laughs> Um, yeah, and they, they, they kind of, in their sort of Burnham, Spocky kind of logical way, um, realize that they, they've, that this conversation they're having with each other, even though it was awkward and, and unexpected, it kind of helps both of them resolve some some issues that they're having individually, right, and together. Yeah, yeah, and it ends up moving things forward because they realize the answer to the question they've been wondering of like, okay, so why doesn't the Red Angel always appear with the signals? And they realize, oh, wait, it's because it appears whenever Michael is in trouble. Right. Uh, yeah. And they go back to, oh, yeah, it, it, it showed up to Spock when she was going to die. And she showed up when she was dying on um, the asteroid. So they, they, they quickly figure out that they have to put Michael into this Houdini-type situation of, like, let's put you in extreme danger and, and take you to the edge of killing you so that we can cause the Red Angel to appear. And rescue you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is a this is a crazy plan where they're gonna like strap her into a chair on the facility. They've they're gonna beam down all the the, the Ghostbusters trap equipments uh, around there so they can trap the angel. And uh, they basically have to like shut off all of the life support systems and open up the uh, I don't know ceiling, I guess the roof. Open up the roof like a retractable stadium roof. Open it up so they can let the highly toxic and apparently very painful to breathe in uh, atmosphere in to cause Burnham to be uh, in distress. Yeah. Now they call it the grandfather paradox, which is we should talk about, which is um, because they think that Michael Burnham is the Red Angel, she can't, the Red Angel won't let Michael Burnham die because then she will cease to exist, you know? And so, like Marty McFly, you know, she has to come back to the past to rescue Michael Burnham on multiple occasions, right? So, and that's what, and so the variance in, in why she shows up is is what uh, Michael Burnham herself, right? Yeah, and I guess there's a little bit of a nod to, you said it was Dr. Frank pool from 2001 yeah. that goes to 3001. Mm-hmm. It's basically what ends up happening to Philip J. Fry in the Futurama series where he does go from the year 2000, you know, 2000 ish to 3000 ish. And he also becomes his own grandfather right. after doing uh, the nasty and the pasty as he describes with his grandmother. Really? Huh. Yeah. With and then it becomes, it, oh. With his grandmother. <laughs> he, he is his own grandfather. And then oh, just because Futurama is so crazy, that causes this, um, this special thing to his brain, which is how he is able to help resolve the uh, problem at hand of these invading brain aliens. I'm, oh, really? I'm sure we can find in a Wikipedia like a description yeah, yeah, of this yeah. whole thing. It's very weirdly complicated, but um, that was a segue there to, to let's come back to <laughs> let's come back here to what's, it, what's happening here with the grandfather paradox they mentioned. Um, uh, Ash Tyler and Michael Burnham have a moment. You know, she's like, look, which is full of anger, didn't know what to do with it, um, got this terrible situation coming on. Uh, you know, they embrace, they sort of uh, give their loving moments to each other because like, they don't really know if Burnham's going to survive this thing. It's like a crazy plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Stamets and Culver even sort of have a moment where they're you know trying to reconcile a little bit, but it's like, mm, it's not really the time. And Stamets, it's like unclear if it's ever going to be the time because he can kind of feel the, the, the tension 
tension there in their relationship. Right. And uh, I have my note here that Giorgio smiles. I'm like, again, really unclear what her plan is here, what she is trying yeah, to do yeah, yeah. to these yeah. two. Like, why? You know, she could be mean uh, at times, but she generally has like a reason for her plans or machinations for this. So unclear well, even, what this even, means. Well, as I was going to say, well, we'll talk about it again afterwards. But even her her behavior towards Burnham, right? Like, because this she knows that this isn't her Michael Burnham, right? From her universe, mm-hmm. but she still you know looks at it, looks on her as as. But it, we'll, we'll talk about it in a few minutes. But anyway, let's let's get on to Burnham saying, "You have to let me die." Yeah, so so killing Michael Burnham is what they do. They they strap her into the chair. They they open up the floodgates for all the, the bad atmosphere to come in. And uh, well, before and as Spock traps straps her in, she says, "What happens if this goes wrong?" And he looks at her and says, "Well, I'll be charged with killing a, a Starfleet officer again, right?" Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, Culver has told us that like, look, her oxygen level can't get below like forty percent ish somewhere around there because if that happens, she's just going to die. There's no way to to revive her. Uh, and she does go lower than that, but she you know, signals to Spock, like, you know, let it happen. You know, I believe in this plan. So he ends up taking the other folks hostage, holding a gun on them, saying, no, 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 you're not going to go in there and save her. Um, you got to let this happen. And they, they get lucky that, you know, as, as per plan, the Red Angel does appear and uses some sort of beam, some red beam to revive the, the presumed dead Michael Burnham. Uh, Stamets trips the Ghostbusters trap. You know, they, they've actually got the, the force field around it and everything to, to uh, deal with it. Hold her in place, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess I forgot to mention that the other part was they wanted to rapidly close the the wormhole, the time wormhole. So they yeah. had the Section Thirty One ship with the strong enough the deflector. I can't remember. Yeah, what. Just like deflectors or sensors or something like that. Yeah, deflectors. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So Ash Tyler's over there with Leland. They're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna bring this down. Uh, I guess Leland needs to go get you know the the security protocols overridden. So he goes over to the the face ID machine and uh, tries to get the computer to unlock the yes, protocols. Says, Authorized security over. Right, and so we have to go back and watch that part of the show a couple of times because he gets the whole red riser, red riser, you know, Christmas story, Daisy rifle, poke you in the eye thing, right? Um, because you know, as he's doing this, the I think the thing echoes back to him what he's saying, yeah, in a really creepy says, way. And then somehow it it ends up a spike comes out and pokes him in the eye, and I, I don't know if he dies or he's just got a bad eye now, but. You know, yeah, as a pirate. Yeah, it's like the thing that I, you know, you know, it's not going to happen, but you always worry it's going to happen when you go to the eye doctor and they do the glaucoma test. You know, you get that <laughs> yeah, thing yeah. uncomfortably close to your eye, and then they puff you with a, a blast of air. Yeah, this is like a this is like the scene from um, uh, the Next Generation where where Picard is remembering being having his eye drilled out, right? Or is that from one of the movies? That was first contact, I think. Yeah, but it was after he was locutus, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he was having the memory of it of it happening, or or at least a nightmare of, of it happening. Well, because doesn't don't they replace his eye in when he's locutus? Good question. They put that whole Borg thing on his head, implants. What do they call them? Implants, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So so Leland is uh, is not having a good time, <laughs> um, but the Red Angel is trapped, and yeah. it, it emerges from the uh, sorry the the individual emerges from the suit kind of Iron Man style. It sort of like, you know, allows them to come out. Well, they, they do an EMP um, blast and they, they knock out the tech. Yeah, but it doesn't just like, oh, you know, like collapse to the ground. It doesn't just like freeze in place. It like sort of lets them ooze out, like sort of slip out of it. It's hard to describe what that looked like. But like the suit was still standing there after it let them out. Yeah, well, the suit, uh, we should point out, I don't think we mentioned that like Leland's telling, when he's telling Burnham 
that his mother was a brilliant engineer that she actually made the suit right right yeah so so she, and of course da 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 who falls out of the suit it's Bruno's mum mum and then the show's over yeah yeah but no sneak peek of tomorrow, next week's episode at least I didn't see one I'd have to go take a look um, I don't I don't think it was showing on uh, on uh, CBS All Access but I bet you they probably have it on there by now or they probably have it like on YouTube or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean the the, the, the ne- what's happening up next week yeah the little sneak previews yeah I don't know how Jonathan sees those because I've, I've never se- I've never managed to see one I mind you my PVR Lately, my PVR has been refusing to record the show, so I had to make sure I had it manually recorded today. But but I, I watched, I waited after after the show was over, and there was still nothing nothing on the channel. So yeah, I bet you they'll put it out on YouTube. Um, I, I, I've sometimes seen it at the end of the CBS All Access stream, and oh, you mean it'll time? be like posted by by uh, Star Trek CBS. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll put a, a teaser for, like, the next week. I'm not sure when exactly they do that. Um, yeah. And I'm so unclear why it doesn't just automatically come out, because you would think, like, hey, next time, come, yeah. come watch again. Yeah. So let's talk about Emperor Georgiou, right? Because she's such a badass when she's in her own universe, right? And mm-hmm. she's nice to Michael Burnham when she thinks she's really her Michael Burnham, but, but even they were, like, you know, in the Mirror Universe, they were sort of always out, you know, to protect themselves, and they were always out for each other, and, you know, so. So even though Michael Burnham was raised by Emperor Georgiou in that universe, they weren't really super trusting of each other, right? And then they come here. She comes into our universe. She joins Section 31. Um, Michael Burnham, as she says to, to Christopher Pike, I'll have to explain to you the relationship between um, me and Emperor Georgiou at some point in the future. Like, it's that's a story for a later time. She tells me like three or four episodes ago, right? Um, and so, but, but I'm, I'm finding the act, the the way that Emperor Georgiou is behaving. In fact, it sounded like when she was talking to Admiral Cornwall, and and that the Admiral knew she wasn't really Captain Georgiou. Did you not get that sense today? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what like she this... does and doesn't know because they did mention that you know a very limited number of folks know uh, beyond uh, you know just folks on the Discovery crew. Well, I thought um, that Cornwall was was sort of involved somehow with Section Thirty One. She or she, but she kind of sort of know, wasn't she sort of. Involved Involved in an earlier episode where she was like with them on their base, yeah. or yeah, I, I think we'd have to go back. Uh, I could have sworn early in the season she helped give the official cover story, right? That oh, is that was maybe okay, or... is like, oh, look, she was she was discovered. <laughs> she's oh, told maybe, oh, okay. we thought but she was presumed of, dead. Last she's, season, maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. She's she's totally fine, and here she is. She's she's retiring and from yeah. her captaincy, and she's joining Section Thirty One. Sure, sure, and because because also the part where Michael Burnham's going off. To her death, um, they have a moment together. Uh, I didn't make any notes of that particular point in time, but you know, like they even it even ends up with the emperor putting her hand on Georgiou's shoulder, and then Georgiou, you know, cut, uh, putting her own hand over top, and sort of like having they have a moment of mom and daughter kind of sentiment, right? Mm-hmm. Which to me is not doesn't fit with the emperor Georgiou character. It fits more with with Captain Georgiou, or you know, that sort of sense sense sensibility, right? But because it sounds. It, I mean, throughout the whole episode, um, Georgiou is is behaving very strange in, in very many dis- different situations, right? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell what's going on there. I mean, uh, on the one hand, you could have sort of the, um, you know, I mean, 
even though it's not her Michael Burnham, she looks exactly like her and probably acts a lot like her. So if there is some sense of loss, I mean, this is the sort of thing where, you know, people will lose their pets and then they like, they want a cloning technology so they could resurrect Fido, right? Bring Rover back. Um, right? There could be that aspect to it. The other one that's possible is it could be part of a ploy because she was acting, you know, quite um, sympathetic uh, towards, towards Michael. Um, and at the same time, she was like being very antagonistic to Stamets and Culver. And, and it's unclear what sort of scheme, if any, that she has she going on there. She was antagonistic or she was to- toying with them? Like, like, like to what end though? I mean, sure. Like maybe like she maybe could just... go have some fun later on kind of thing. Cause that's kind of what she was implying. Right. I, I mean, maybe, but it could also be as part of like uh, a longer game, whatever her game plan is. It seems like it's part of a larger strategy perhaps. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because there's episode. been some exchanges too. Like they haven't really dropped the, the F bomb or the S bomb much. They, I think they have a few times this season, but you know, cause it's still being shown here in Canada at 8 PM on space channel. Right. So we're not supposed to have, you know, um, explicit things happen until after 9 PM. That's kind of the rule here. Right. And, and we talked about, uh, discovery getting in trouble for doing our space channel for getting in trouble for showing the show in an earlier time slot than they probably should. Right. But this, this episode, there was a few, I think when Culber and the emperor and, um, and, uh, Stamets were having that exchange in the middle of the show, I was thinking to myself, you know, this is a little too adultish for primetime or primetime television, right? Did you not get that sense? Yes. And I don't normally think of it in that context because I'm, you know, on a paid streaming service, which yeah. more like HBO or, you know, you had to go out of your way. I hadn't really thought about the fact that it's coming out on sort of normal television. Wait, mm-hmm. is it, is it cable television for you guys? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, it's, or a, you pay, it's, you pay extra for the channel. Like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you, you, you it's not part of the, the standard package that everybody gets, right? Right. But to, it's not even to, over the air. This is definitely part of like a cable yeah, my, television package. Yeah. My, you know, my three-year-old granddaughter could walk into the room and at this time, you know, because you know, wouldn't necessarily. I mean, most kids go to bed at eight o'clock at night. I would think these these nights, but I'm sure there are many, you know, underage kids watching this show with their parents, you know, kind of thing, right? Yeah, I I don't know how things work in Canada, but there is a there's like some middle ground. So you have the broadcast networks that get uh, just over the air. Like if you own e-television, it will get those channels. It's CBS, ABC, NBC, right. yeah, Fox. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. will tend to get a lot more scrutiny from the um, the FCC around this. You get a little bit more leeway when it comes to cable networks, like just the default packages and stuff. I think there's an assumption there of like, look, you went out of your way. You, you need to make sure you, you you cover your bases with your kids and, and make sure. Because it wasn't like well, they do. They like do the viewer's discretion as advised advisories before before after you know between each commercial, right? Right. And then there's like the premium channel stuff, like HBO, Showtime, Cinemax stuff that uh, can just go hog wild. Uh, yeah, people know, walking around without clothes on in those those shows, right? Yeah, you know, Game of Thrones, you know that sort of thing. Um, it's I'm guessing the Discovery is kind of in that borderline, so it, it kind of makes sense that if space is something that is part of a cable network over there, um, it's probably why it. It's coming out at, what do you say, 8, when normally shows would be at 9. PM, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to assume, as we mentioned uh, a week or two ago, that when CBS is talking about bringing, um, you know, old seasons of Discovery, so like last season sort of thing, uh, off of the paid network and onto normal CBS, I'm guessing they will either have to dramatically edit and or push it to later in prime time, like the way uh, Saturday Night Live, which is raunchier, tends to be later right, for that right. reason. And when they replay um, episodes earlier, they're like, by the way, this thing originally aired at a later time. Hint, hint, 
if you got little kids hanging around, might want to change the channel or, or consider your, your, your chances. Yeah, but they don't, on Saturday Night Live, they don't swear, right? They come close. They, 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 they hint in innuendo. innuendo and, and, I mean, and there are people who have been fired from, from Saturday Night Live for, for dropping F-bombs and things like that, right? Yeah, it's it, it's yeah. a complicated thing when it comes to, to broadcasting versus like uh, streaming channel stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, getting back to Giorgio, I really don't know what's happening here. She's a very mysterious character. It seems like she is uh, putting her tendrils into Section 31 and, and, and actively working, uh, if not directly counter to Leland. She certainly seems like she's trying to push him out of the way for her own reasons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you think maybe she was behind the poke in the eye thing that, that uh, Leland got hit with? It, it's entirely possible. I mean, she had mentioned to Michael, I mean, she's had the antagonism with him earlier, right? And like, hey, like, you know, I know that, that you were involved in Michael Burnham's parents' death. She had warned about that earlier. And then she told Michael this episode, like, you know, I knew I didn't want to tell you because it wasn't my story to tell, but I made sure that the story was told. Right. Unclear on the reasons why. Um, I guess we'll find out, you know, next week or the week after. See, I would love to have Jonathan on the show for this particular question I'm going to ask you, but, you know, the, the reveal, the fake reveal, the, the what do you call it, in um, sleight of hand that they do in the middle of the show where they where Tilly says to Burnham, it's you, you are the Red Angel. You know, um, mm-hmm. like they, they have that search for Spock moment with with, uh, with Ariam where I was sort of thinking that by the end of last last episode, we didn't get to see, we didn't get any closure on what happens to Ariam after she gets pushed out the airlock. I would have thought they would just let her float out in space, but apparently they go and retrieve her. Um, you know, and then erase her brain and all that kind of stuff. But they put her into a photon tor- torpedo cell like they normally do, and they fire her out the, the torpedo ba- tube or whatever you call that thing. Um, and she goes flying towards the planet. So I'm thinking, what's what's next? Search for Arium as she gets, you know, resurrected on this new Genesis planet kind of thing? Um <laughs> <laughs> Spock's like, oh, I'll have to take a mental note. This is a way yeah, we might is, do this. This is an interesting way to, you know, have to put this in my will, right? Um, yeah, because it's kind of it's kind of a, pre, a, a prelude to for Spock. I didn't think I think I thought about it from the joke point of view, but I didn't really think about it from a practical point of view. But yeah, and then you know, so yeah, so there's that, and then there's the. But coming back to this sort of, it's you, um, and it, you know, the the DNA all points to you. It's all it's all pointing to you, right? Well, I don't know what you know about DNA, but a child and the parent don't have identical DNA. A twin, you know, Aaron Ashmore and and, uh, Sean Ashmore would have very similar DNA, if not identical, right? But not a parent and a child. So they're, with all their fancy, 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 fancy computer systems and stuff like that, they're telling Burnham that, like, are they saying it's a 99.9% match between you? They're saying, or it's a 100% match between you and the Red Angel. And then it turns out it's not, in fact, Burnham. There's a little bit of clarification I want to throw in there, because they did say a dna match which or, or they said yeah they said a uh, yeah, uh, bioneural signature so it's more yeah, like a exactly. like a brain path sort of thing which yeah even even the mirror michael burnham that mirror universe michael burnham probably would have passed the dna test but yeah, definitely true. wouldn't pass the bioneural one well, so the bio, it's unclear the bioneural how thing, thing i would argue that bioneural pathways are are generated and changed through life experience because you know as you learn about things and you experience different things you know your synapses form in a different way i i I mind you this is the future and god knows what technology they're they're trying to allude to but um again they're saying that this is the same same uh pattern that your mother has as you or you know they're fooled until the mother actually pops out of the suit right yeah it's it's unclear what is going to happen i find it really hard to follow science fiction shows when they're unbelievable (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, they just haven't explained here, I'm right? Like, they're, 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 they're teasing you, like, oh, it turns out it dun dun dun. It wasn't Michael. It was her mom. Who not yeah. only is her mom alive, but like, what the heck is going on? How did she end up uh, faking this this sort of uh, red herring thing of of yeah. making us believe it was Michael and not her mom? Yeah. So I want to know, like, so does she have like a bat signal in the future that sort of follows Michael Burnham when she's in trouble, or and where does she, you know where does she eat and sleep? You know, in the future. Oh, now there's a whole bunch of questions I want to have answered about her mom, right? What she's been doing for the last, you know, 30 years or whatever, right? Why didn't she come back earlier? Yeah. I, I mean, we are... Is Michael Burnham going to punch her in the nose next week? <laughs> just, just getting angry, punching everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and Saru is just in the back and like, do it, do it. He's, he's, <laughs> leave him, leave him to it. This has to happen. Exactly. Uh, we are... Let this um, play out. What do we say? Episode 10? I think there are 13, possibly 14 episodes oh, for I season two. That. We have the technology. So, so we've got some more, we've got some more time to, to deal with this. They got some explaining to do, Lucy. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, uh, you know, starting next week. Yes. Um, yes. I was wondering if the time crystal thing they were talking about is related to what um, Mud had, uh, Harry Mud. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. By the way, 14, had... 14 episodes, real-time follow-up. Oh, thank you. 14 episodes. Okay. So they got, they got four more to play with uh, to resolve this. Four more hours, roughly. Um, and uh, Harry Mudd had the time thingy, he had like the time watch, whatever it was uh, that he had that was letting them do that uh, that really crazy episode, the time loop episode. Uh, so this is good first. news for Spotcast, by the way. I just realized here as I'm looking at this thing. Let's try, we're trying to figure out what to do in the off season, right? Well, it turns out the last episode of, of uh, Discovery is April 18th, right? So what's mm-hmm. happening in the middle of or near the end of April that we could probably talk about instead of Discovery. Do we have Avengers right in there? No, even better than that. We have eight episodes or seven episodes of, six episodes of. <laughs> I'm racking my brain trying to think what starts. Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones starts there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Navy Seals. That's the episode. What what would you think of this episode as a recap? I think last week's episode was was much more compelling. This one was kind of you know you knew she was going to die, but you knew she was going to be saved, and and uh, and again the whole ethics of putting a person in a chair and it's all like, you know against Starfleet, and you know um, I don't know. It's it's odd. I mean, like like there was a there was a distinct chance that maybe they were wrong about the way the the Red Angel is signaled, right? Turns out they were right, but what if they were wrong, right? Like, again, here's another question for you. So they were saying that most of the cases where the Red Angel shows up is because Michael Burnham was in distress, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and some it was something about something was going to happen to her, whether it was whatever kind of war it was or what was happening was going to affect her. She was going to be you know detrimental to her health. How does that explain the people in the episode where they're transported from Earth to this other planet? Let's see. So does the Red Angel appear in that episode, or, or just appear one of the in the signals? episode? But, but New Eden, it was called, right? Where they, where they, uh, the people are transported from Earth to this new Terralisium, right? Yeah, but did the Red Angel actually appear in that episode? Not to Michael Burnham, but the Red Angel brought the people from Earth to there. 
Yeah, so I think what they're what they were trying to figure out is um, they know that the Red Angel is leaving the signals, and they're unclear mm-hmm. why. You know what exactly is the pattern with the signals, and, and how are they important? Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. There is some prep work to like you know bring the people so to Terra. What's the point of having Michael Burnham on that planet then, or Pike or Oyo or whatever her name is? It's it's all part of the litany of questions. I'm sure they're going to have to ask Mrs. Burnham of like what in the world's going on? What, what, what exactly were you doing there? Oh, well. what, what is about to happen that you are trying to prevent? Um, and it seems like Michael is potentially, I mean, before we were been like, oh yeah, Michael's obviously important to this. And now it's not like, maybe this is just the mother helping out her daughter. I mean, there's, uh, it could be that, you know, maybe Michael herself is not necessarily important to this. Um, or she could be, right? It could be that her role on mm-hmm. Discovery is important for what Discovery needs to do to save the universe. Yeah. Who knows? So, so it's an so interesting thought I just had. So the whole of Discovery first season was based on Michael Burnham and her mutiny and her sabotage or whatever it was that she did mutiny, right? And this apparently this whole second season is, is centers around her relationship with the Red Angel, right? What are they going to do when Sonico Martin Green decides to quit the show? I mean, I had assumed that the whole show is, I mean, Michael Burnham is the main character. Yeah. Uh, things sort of flow through her, so I think wherever they end the show, you know, that's the end of Sonequa Martin-Green's uh, relationship with the show, and and vice versa. If she, like, really wanted to end, you know, after next season, they'd probably be, alright, yeah. you know, three seasons, we're out. Let's move on yeah. to the Picard series. Let's move on to the George O series. Oh, you think it's going to be like that? Yeah, I, I, I'd i be shocked if Discovery got a full seven seasons. Um, yeah, because it's, it's going to really impinge upon the, the original series right at that, at that point from timeline point of view right yeah and i think you can build it as you know three to five season arc well what's the four. decision behind having seven seasons because i guess discovery and voyager do they both have seven seasons as well i don't know for certain we'd have to look that up i i would guess that they're you know again we're comparing to like broadcast sort of mm-hmm. stuff right that mm-hmm. like okay um tos the original series was canceled after three uh tng half, yeah. was mega popular um if Survival of interest in Star Trek from TOS and the, the motion picture series, uh, movie series as well. And so it went for seven seasons. Maybe that's, they felt like, hey, that's a good idea. You know, DS9 was successful enough to so get these, seven. DS9 went from Voyager. 93 to 99. Is that seven seasons? I believe they had seven seasons. Uh, Voyager had seven seasons. Um, yeah, it's from, it was no, kind it was, of a shocker. Voyager was that, 95 to 2001. Is that seven? That's six, right? Well, the, so there's like, there's overlap in years. Oh, no, you're right. Seven seasons. There were right. seven seasons. And then, uh, Enterprise has four. Um, mm. So it, it's unclear to me what they would do necessarily with something like Discovery. It's not beholden to the same sort of uh, advertiser concerns, like over the air, normal broadcast stuff. I mean, yes, it is uh, being broadcast in some places like you know, Space Channel and stuff, but there's the the money from the streaming from Netflix going around worldwide. There's the money from direct CBS All Access subscriptions in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I think they can take some of those chances of you can have some solid one season two season, three season, five season, seven season, ten season. I, I guess it just depends on, on what they're looking to do on a project. Mm-hmm. Oh. Weird. So did, did Discover... I'm just looking at Enterprise here, by the way. As you said, four seasons. The last episode is called These Are the Voyages. Did they actually wrap up that show? Yeah, in, in sort of a weird, not super satisfying sort of way. Oh, William T. Riker is in this episode. Yeah, and Deanna Troy as well. Oh, really? Okay, I'll have to go back and watch that. It's been a while since I've seen it. 2005. It's been a long time since I saw this. It's been a long road. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to get some Cardassians into this this uh, discovery, but I guess that, that can't happen, right? <laughs> 
I guess it's unclear, like, uh, what they can or can't do with some of the stuff. Um, I definitely think Cardassians, Romulans, and so forth will show up in the Picard series. Uh, the Giorgio series might be... Narsicans, right? Possible Narsicans, yeah. Um, unclear. Like, when you have a, a prequel series that have to sort of think about, like, how far can they go? Um, I think the Federation knew of Cardassia well before, you know, mm-hmm. TNG takes place because it talked about, like, a 10-year like a war or something mm-hmm. in whichever mm-hmm. season it is that the, the Enterprise crew encounters um, the uh, the Cardassian folks dealing with the, the rogue captain. I think it's called The Wounded, where they end up dealing with the rogue captain who's, like, blowing up Cardassian stuff. Mm. And they're set to capture him. Um, it, so, it, it, I mean, they could definitely have known about Cardassia even in, like, Kirk's time. And, like, we just didn't see the episodes where they were important, right? Even in TNG, they're not, like, a super important series. And Deep mm. Space Nine, they become a much more important one over time. So, right, right. you know, the ebbs and flows of empires and governments, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess we should uh, we should get uh, get get a move on here. So we have uh, on the watch list. What do you have on the watch list, Tommy? I have here a blog post on um, Capture Bow's Blogspot blog mm-hmm. entitled "Remastering Star Trek: Deep Space Nine with Machine Learning." Right. I, I don't. I had a look at this one earlier. You're gonna have to explain it to me because I don't see the difference. It might depend. I I noticed that I unfortunately um I think you really need to make sure that you are getting the highest quality stream if possible from uh, YouTube. Yeah, uh, and maybe even watch and rewatch a couple times to like help whatever magic process they use. Because I I admit I could not tell from the screenshots that well, mm-hmm. but the video, especially the side by side video, it's like the second video they have. I could definitely tell there, but really? not initially because my my YouTube was all pixelated until I just. Well, let it sit I, I, there and reload. So I see the, I see the difference here. I'm like I'm just looking flipping back and forth between the one where they're showing the baseball and the size of the image is like it's like it's letter it's it's in a black on a black field. It's it's much much smaller and then it's basically blown up to fill my screen on my on my 20 24 inch monitor um and it looks it's not super sharp but but the fact it gets it's been resed up and doesn't look like it's been resed up there's no no pixelization i guess right right so Maybe that's so this, the difference so this individual is using um a tool called ai gigapixel mm-hmm. uh, so this is a fan this is not like an officially yeah, blessed yeah, thing yeah. and they mentioned that multiple times of like hey i don't have control over this but i was just playing with it as a, as a sure, side sure. project because uh, they they do this to um, their Final Fantasy 7 game, uh, I guess there must be some sort of fan uh, mm-hmm. modification that, that has up-resed, uh, mm-hmm. upscaled backgrounds, texture stuff. And so they did that to Deep Space Nine. Uh, apparently it uses machine learning in some way, shape, or form to, to do this. But the side-by-side video is interesting because a, a big problem for people who are out there streaming uh, Star Trek series on something like a Netflix, uh, mm-hmm. TNG looks great because yeah. Netflix happens to have the like remastered, they you know they went back to like the film, they, they got higher HD quality stuff. They think sure. they even redid some of the special effects stuff so it, it looked better on uh, on HD versus SD quality stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, my understanding is they did not have that option with for sure Voyager and probably a lot, if not all, of Deep Space Nine, which were shot on video, and so they, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, Minolta oh, or Sony yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Digicam was able to handle back then. It's like you, you can't add anything better. You don't have 
the high fidelity of film to deal with. Right, right. Um, so this individual is using this technique as like, hey, can we get kind of part of the way there? The same way that like um, Blu-ray and DVD players will like upscale to HD and, and 4K in some cases, depending on the hardware you have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm, amazed that, I'm amazed that they would think the video, even back then, would be like something that would last into the future. I guess they were just considering getting it out and getting it into syndication. They were, I guess they weren't thinking. Like, why would they not think that people would have giant wall-sized TVs in the future? I mean, I think it wasn't like uh, a foregoing concern because the advantage they were, you know, future media, higher quality archival type process to like continue to squeeze, you know, blood out of this stone. Mm-hmm. I think they were looking at it as like, oh, video means that we don't have to wait and process film. We can see immediately oh, okay. how a take went and it's easier. Like we don't have to convert or anything. It's it's ready to roll when we go add, you know, some digital compositing type stuff. I think the, the ease of production was, was on their mind and not necessarily like, oh, what if someday people have, you know, even higher definition type televisions and right, right. How would our how would our show that we like we just want to sell Huggies and Coca-Cola <laughs> to the sponsors? How are we yeah. how are we gonna deal with some mythical world where people are buying stuff like this? Yeah, so I just thought it was interesting to see. It, it's kind of cool. I like, kinda hope that um the powers that be will do something like this because it is you know, the Deep Space Nine and Voyager are still enjoyable to watch on um on Netflix, but it, it's yeah. definitely not as enjoyable as the beautiful HD quality for the yeah, TNT definitely series. the uh, the quality of the of the images quite quite a bit different, right? Yeah, and I haven't looked to see what Enterprise looks like. I don't know the story with them. Um, I'm going to assume their video as well because I have a hard time believing they they shot in film for this sort of purpose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't think they would have had like, oh look, like you know, we've got these IMAX <laughs> cameras that we can use to to film our our sci-fi TV show. Right, right, cool. All right, well, my my pick is, is obviously going to be uh, once again. Uh, Don Quixote. I don't, I don't know if it was my pick last week. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, picked so nice. We picked it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, the man who killed Don Quixote, which is opening April tenth. So in about uh, not this week, coming up the week after. So if, and apparently the tickets are already on sale, and and I don't know how many people are buying them. But I checked earlier today, and there was still seat. There was no seats sold in the theater that I would go to see them. So I might, I might be going by myself. Who knows? But yeah, if any other star star spotcast, if any other spotcast. Fans want to come with me, you know, you know where I'll be, young and Dundas. So, hey, Pai, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right, my name is Timitra T I M M I T R A. On the Twitch machine is how you'll find me crying over my not getting a WWDC ticket again. Um, anyway, so we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
realized a moment I did not write in the notes. Yeah. But the without you, Harry Nilsson fact check from last week yeah. reminds me of the fact that they made a big deal of that moment where the replacement crew member, Lieutenant Nielsen, she comes yeah, out yeah, to what replace was that Arium. Everybody has a double takeover, right? Well, because like that was Arium's spot. It'd be like if, I don't know, but, Worf but, died and like, oh, here's, you know, Uncle Bob showing up as a replacement. Yeah, but but ironically, right, that was the actress who played Arium in season one. Yeah, when they That's ended up doing me, that swap. it was kind of like, what is going on? Yeah, it was, it was very, there were layers, layers to that moment. Yeah. But I mean, like, I I wonder if people really kind of got that because, you know, she was wearing makeup last season, right? Let me go back to IMDb for a sec. Yeah, there wasn't really like a, a little... I always say her name wrong. It, it was an interesting moment because they, they emphasized it, the awkwardness, but they yeah. didn't give the, like, you know, I would guess normally that, like, Atelier would be off to the side with something like Detmer, but hey, is, is it kind of weird that, like, somebody else is in Arium's spot? Like, I know they need somebody, but isn't it still kind of weird that, like, you know, her chair is barely, barely getting cold and there's somebody there to replace? Yeah, that's, it's, it's Canada's own Sarah Midditch. She's now, she, now, last season she was Arium, this season she's Lieutenant Nilsson. Yeah. Oh, that's what you're saying with the Harry Nielsen thing. Yeah, because I, I just <laughs> happened to, to glance because it's very physically close in the show notes uh, yeah. to last week's show notes. I said, oh, that's right, Lieutenant Nielsen. Like, it complete half and sense. Oh, that's, uh, that said, I did watch Russian Doll, Jonathan's pick from a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you can sit down and watch it, like, in, I think it was maybe two or three hours. So really, they're 25-minute episodes. So they're not very long. But it's actually mm-hmm. very, very entertaining and very entertaining uh, sort of groundhog day kind of story yeah. it is and you saw how the music played into the repetition yeah. Yeah. just like uh, i've got you babe from uh sunny and sharon yeah groundhog day yep oh show yeah um i guess another thing i didn't get into the show itself was it kind of struck me as we were talking about it in the recap that it's interesting that michael burnham is really hating on section 31 and granted she was angry but i don't think the starfleet people feel really comfortable with them mm-hmm. because uh, of their their methods and ash tyler's like look i don't agree with her methods necessarily but the mission i agree with like the ends justify mm. the means is sort of his position to have the contrast with michael burnham saying oh i'm gonna sacrifice myself in this like houdini moment to you know save the universe save all life and pike and the other people are like what no you can't be doing that. that's crazy like starfleet doesn't do that like i literally took a vow to not do that sort of thing mm-hmm. um and they go through with it so i think i feel like there was a layer there of like you know what's the right thing to do here you know would it have better been better to not sacrifice Burnham for this huge gamble. Right, right. So I don't know. I don't know. And layers there. There's, there was no episode of The Orville this week. They took two weeks or- off for horrible. for reasons I'm unclear. So uh, really, they'll have one tonight, I believe. But last week there wasn't one, and it was a, a planned break. Really? Oh, mm. why would that be? I wonder. I don't know. I didn't see March anything. Madness, maybe I don't know. Maybe, but that's starting now. So you would think now would be the time. So there's uh, an episode on tonight. I believe there's one on tonight. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, I'm not not sure what was happening there yeah don't make no sense don't make no sense all right yep yep when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply